Welcome to Life Church Hurley's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy. All right. Good morning, Life Church. You know, I, th- I think I've got it figured out what Pastor Stephen was really doing with these couple of weeks he's got me up here. Since he's gone, he just wanted you to really appreciate him that much that he was like, I'm going to let Brad speak a couple weeks in a row. But no, no, it's been, it's been good, and I appreciate the opportunity. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump in. We're going to be in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. And let me give a little bit of context before we jump into the scripture. And this is a time where Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. I mean, this is like literally just before the garden, right before everything's going to go down and start that path. And in this time, this is like his last prayer before it all begins. Just before this, he, he had a prayer for himself, had a prayer for the disciples, and what we're going to dig into is a prayer for all the believers. So John 17, 20 through 26. I'm going to read through it first, and then we'll jump in. And this is, like I said, Jesus' prayer to God. My prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I mean, this, what a powerful prayer. Like, he knows what's about to go down. Like, he knows This is about to be the time. First, I'm going to be betrayed by one of the closest people to me, right? I'm about to be persecuted, beat, ridiculed, sacrificed, and yet we're on his mind. Not his own well-being, not his everything that's about to happen, his circumstances, his situation, but we're on his mind. And this is the prayer for us. Because this, 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 this is us. Those who believe through the disciples, you know, their legacy is why we're here today and their relationship with Christ. 
And if you look at this set of scripture, there's a couple things that he repeats multiple times. You know, just like in any sermon you hear and they repeat the point that you want to hear, there's a couple things that he really hammers down. The first thing is that we may be one as we are one, you and me and I and you, complete unity. If you looked right before this, even when he was talking to the disciples or praying for the disciples, he talked about being one in unity. So Jesus really wants this concept to be pushed as believers, that we are one. But why is it important that we're unified? Why is it important that we are one? And it says it clear as day right there in verse 23. It says that may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. You know, our main purpose as believers is to let the world know about Christ. But I think sometimes we forget that. You can get caught up in all the things of church and miss the point of all of it. And when you think about unity in Christ, the one thing that really sticks out is like, it's really hard to be unified and to serve that purpose of reaching the lost when there's division in the church. You know, it, it amazes me, and I think it grows by the year, like how many denominations do we have in Christianity? I mean, I, I don't know the number anymore, right? I mean, even within a city or even in this town, I mean, how many denominations are there? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But like one of my favorite things in youth, right, we've been having a lot more of prayer services, of uh, youth rallies, and it's every denomination there. I think the church as a whole can learn from that. You know, when we're there with the other youth pastors, with the other churches, it's not a, oh, look at me or look at this church or look at this individual, but it's really coming there for one common goal and that's to seek God. But as church, I mean, how often do we ever do anything with another church, right? It's always one. So it's really, really hard to accomplish that when you're divided. And I was gonna have a couple of jokes about the Super Bowl, but you know, after Greg came up here, I, don't, I just don't know if that's the case anymore. But what he's really not telling you is, I think Greg's the closet Swifty. <laughs> like, he's trying to throw you off by saying he doesn't know her last name, but if you look at his playlist, it might tell you a different story. <laughs> but no, but today is Super Bowl, and, you know, as I get older and older, man, this, I, I just watch sports less and less. Like, I couldn't tell you the last time I sat through and watched a full game of one thing. Part of that's because of kids. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like having little ones, like you're not gonna be able to sit through one thing of anything. We try to watch a movie and you gotta pause it about 20 times and then you might pick it up the next day or just say, forget it altogether. But like, you might watch the game tonight for the commercials. There's a lot of people like, I cannot wait to see some Super Bowl commercials. All right, okay. Some of you might watch it just to see where's Taylor Swift gonna be or what she's gonna look like or what she's going to be doing. Me, I'm excited about the Super Bowl food tonight. Like, 
You know, I could care less about the game, but I'm looking forward to some wings, some queso, some barbecue. Like, I'm in it for the wings. But there is one thing when you, when you do watch a game like this, and these teams have spent an entire season, an entire offseason of training, of going after one goal, right? And if they want to hold up a trophy and have the confetti fall down, they have got to be unified. They've got to be on the same page from top to bottom, the entire organization and everything they're doing, or you're going to be the one on the sidelines crying, looking around as everybody else is celebrating. And I know for a lot of us, and it's obvious for me, it's been a long time since I've been a part of a team in a sport. Just, just throwing it out there. But I know, I look at my own life and where I work at. Man, when I first started that job, it was like the Wild West at work. I mean, there was no manager. I worked for a pest control company doing termite inspections and all that kind of stuff. And like, there was no manager. Like, you had people that could care less about being there, about anything going on. And it was one of them situations like, I started doing, I started, I trained with this guy and he quit like, a week after I got released to do my own thing. And so you have a new guy filling in as the only guy. It was just chaos, right? There was no unity, no division. And I look back today, like three years after being there and seeing like the difference from that type of environment where you're like, man, I don't even want to go to the office. You know, they're out there talking trash and, and gossiping about this and that and could care less about anything to do with the job. So like now, we have a good manager. We have people who care about being there. Like the communication amongst the team. I'm not going to say I like still going to work, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But like the environment, the situation, I like the people. And it, what a difference. And, you know, with that unity and that, and that communication, I mean, we, we hit our goals. Like, it's rare that we don't hit a goal that we have for a month. It's rare that we don't go in above and beyond what we have. And so, when you think about that goal of reaching the lost, there's got to be unity in it. But it's also important to understand that, like, Jesus isn't talking about just some organizational unity, Right? He's not talking about, like, how things need to be set up. He's talking about spiritual unity. And thank God he's not talking about an organizational unity, especially within the church. I mean, you know, we're talking about building, right? We're talking about building a new building. You know, I, until this church, I've always been a part of the Assemblies of God. And I've served in different capacities at different churches. And I want to tell you, there's been some interesting board meetings, deacon meetings I've had over buildings. Like, I almost saw a straight drag-out fight over some color of the carpet. Like, it's amazing what people can disagree and fight on within the church. But that's not what Christ is talking about here when he's talking about a complete unity. Because, you know, we're all not going to agree on, like when a church is built, like we're all not going to agree, agree on a design or a color of something 
or whatever else. And that's fine. That's not what Christ is talking about. There's gonna be disagreements. But we, what we can't disagree on, we can't disagree on that the word of God is the truth and the very words of God that we live our lives by. We can't disagree on that the only way for salvation is through Christ, right? We can't agree on, disagree on the truth of God. And we can't forget that our purpose is to bring the message of Christ to the world. That they may be forgiven and know him, then, then everything that I'm talking about is pointless. It's a spiritual unity of the heart, the mind, and the purpose. Because this is what happens when the church is divided, right? We lose our credibility with Christ. Like We're called to be separate, called to be different than the world. Like When you look at it right now, like the cancel culture, like people are actively in politics and social media and everything are actively looking for someone to mess up. It's like, I'm just anticipating that mess up so that we can completely try to cancel and, and get them gone and done away with. And like the church, people are gonna mess up, right? Like people are gonna sin Bible speaks specifically about how to address that. But in all that, we got to address it with love, right? We're called to be unified as a body. When someone messes up or is struggling, it's not to go over there and condemn them and look like the world. Because it looks different when your purpose and your mission isn't to go over there and chastise them in public for something they've done or call them out. But when it's to go and put an arm around them, and let you know like, hey, I've been through it too. I'm standing beside you and walking this with you as your brother, as your sister in Christ. That's the unity that he's talking about. Because we gotta look different. You know, out there it can be a dog eat dog world where it's like, how do I climb this ladder? How do I step on you to get above? But the church has to look and be different. Or everything we say about Christ goes to the wayside. Because they look at it and say, you look no different than everything else I'm going through in life. Everything else in the world that's a struggle, that's pain, that's meant trying to tear me down, we got to look different. And that's like Christ. The second thing I believe that Christ was emphasizing in these verses, in this prayer is that we have been given the glory of God. It has been revealed to us through Christ. Verse 23 says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. And then in 24, to see my glory, the glory you have given me. You know, the glory of God's talked about through the entire Bible. It, sometimes it's described as God's splendor, his magnificence, his majesty. Like it, it, it is hard to put a single one definition on the glory of God. Because the Bible even says like, 
us as individuals, if we were ever to see his full glory, our bodies would not be able to handle it. We would not be able to see it. But at its essence, the glory of God is his power and his presence. Right? In the Hebrew, there's a word called Shekinah. Right? Um, there are some songs that sing about the Shekinah glory from back in the day. And what that means is the dwelling of God. And in the Old Testament, it showed itself, which when it means the dwelling of God, it, like an actual visible representation of the glory of God. You saw it when the people of Israel were being led through the wilderness, right? Pillars of fire, clouds leading them. It talked about the literal glory of God being in the inner sanctuary of the temple. You know, they would have to literally tie ropes around the chief priest that would go in to the inner house because if you weren't completely right with God and clean, they would die. And they would literally have to be drugged out by the rope. The literal presence of God. When Moses was up on Mount Sinai receiving the law, you know, it, it talks about the covering of the glory of God on that place. And you know, when I was when I was first saved and I'd read the Old Testament and I'd read about all the miracles and the glory of God that the people of Israel would see, like they literally saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw God deliver them from their captivity and destroy them. Saw the pillars and the clouds and all of it. Even when Moses went up to the mountain, you know, and there was that covering they turned around and worshiped a golden calf because he took too long. Like they created a golden calf. And I used to think like, how dumb do they have to be to see every bit of that and turn around and act that way? But let me tell you the difference between them and us today is we have the Holy Spirit. There's only a few people in the Old Testament that ever talked about actually having the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And that's the difference in our lives today. You know, in Galatians 2.20, it talks about Christ living in us. But we experience the presence of God in our lives through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. When we as a church allow the Holy Spirit to empower us and work through us, then God's glory is seen and experienced by the unbelievers. I, I remember when Caitlin and I first, it was a little almost three and a half years ago about this point, first started coming to this church. Like we came... And it was a time where Stephen had put a pause on like actual like musical worship. So the first six months of us coming, uh, Sunday morning service might be, I don't know, 10 people gave their testimony about what God was doing in their life. Next one might be, we just prayed over each other in the presence of God. Sometimes there was just an awkward silence, right? Just waiting on the presence of God. And I've appreciated the way that Stephen has always allowed himself to be led by the Holy Spirit. Like, I look forward to coming on a Sunday morning and not knowing how the service is going to be, right? Like, who's all been to a church where it started on an exact time, 
Worship ended on an exact time. The service ended. Like, you know what I mean? It, sometimes we get so structured, we don't leave space for the Holy Spirit. Even this morning, if you look at the service and people being obedient, obedient to the Holy Spirit, that's when you see the glory of God. That's when you see his power and his presence. And Jesus knew that. I mean, he even told his disciples, you know, earlier in the book of John, like, the Holy Spirit's going to be there. There's one that comes with the power that you don't know yet. When I leave, we'll be there. And we've got to lean in on the Holy Spirit and allow ourselves to be led by him. That's the only way that we can be completely unified in him. Because there is no denying the glory of God when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead. And I pray that we never lose that here. You know, I mean, then honestly, that was the whole reason that Caitlin and I even decided, like, this is our home church. You know, I appreciated the fact that it was led by the Holy Spirit. And not saying things like I told you, I always was a part of the Assemblies of God, but it's allowing the completeness of the Holy Spirit to be active. Because, you know, sometimes I love the Assemblies of God. Like, as far as their doctrine and everything else, my beliefs align up with them. But sometimes the emphasis is always in the, the actual speaking of tongues, right? When the Holy Spirit is that, 100% is that, but he's so much more. The one who directs us, guides us. When we mess up, because like I said, that's not what the people of Israel had. They had to go to an individual to access God. They couldn't do it on their own every single day. Jesus' sacrifice is what created that instant access that we have. But I think sometimes that we do forget that purpose in the church that we forget that we are called to minister and to speak to the lost. Because what happens is, sometimes it's, it's not any fault of our own, but we get so tied up in only what's going on like right now, right? We're in Sunday morning service. But we all know that church is so much more than that. The ministry goes on beyond the walls of the church matter just as much, if not even more, than what happens on a Sunday morning like the work of God in the people's lives. Christ knew that. I mean, he exemplified that every single day, the way that he humbled himself. I mean, you're the son of God, and you're living in the, in the muck and going through life just like everyone else. I mean, you're not eating steak every night and living it up, caviar or whatever else, but like he came out here and he dwelled he was the glory of God on this earth as well, one who dwelled with us. And for him to come down and humble himself and to serve, like I just said, this for me, if, if I'm in his place right where he's at and he knows everything that's about to go down, all the pain and the suffering he's about to encounter, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my mind's not going to be on everyone else. Like, just being honest. I'm going to be almost completely focused in on everything I'm about to have to go through. But he led in that leadership and showed us, like, the people is what matters. 
And I do believe, because in the elders meeting, we were even talking about this uh, last week. Like we were just asking each other, looking around like, have you seen this person lately? Right? Like, have you talked to this individual that we hadn't seen in service? And the thing is, like, for, and I told them, like, you know, when I stand up there, I'm going to look out. And there's some of y'all I don't know. I look forward to meeting y'all. But for every person, it seems that, like, may find another church home or may go somewhere else, that spot gets filled. But there's a constant new somebody. And that's just the way church works. So there's always that opportunity of someone who needs to hear Christ. But the only way we're going to effectively reach them is by coming together as a unified body and allow ourselves to be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit so that the glory of God is revealed to them. Because it's the power, it's the presence of God that changes lives. It's not anything that we do but it's when we allow ourselves to be used in obedience to Christ is when that changes. And I do believe that God's positioning us specifically for a time because we're talking about, you know, changes happening and, and things happening. Because it's not about, like when we talk about building a building, it's not about saying we have a 400-member church or 500-member church. It's about that we have four or 500 people, if it gets to that point, that are hearing the message of Christ. It's not to count bodies and pat yourself on the back, but it's because there's people that need God. A matter of fact, there was something disturbing I looked up and read this morning, and I'm like, oh, the world needs God. And it's this. Everybody know Build-A-Bear? I got like three or four Build-A-Bear at the house, Lord of the Rings, awesome, in the nursery for the kids. But like, teddy bears are, are known to be just like a playful, fun toy for kids. And I saw an article where they came out with a late-night adult version of Build-A-Bear for coming, getting ready for Valentine's Day. And I'm like, this, you know, everybody likes to put hoax, jokes, whatever. It's like, this has to be a joke. But no, 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 I went to Build-A-Bear website and pulled it up. And you have to actually click that you're 18 to even go in there. And one of the bears was wearing lingerie with a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. It's like the world twists the most innocent things meant for kids playing to that, right? Like I love what Greg just talked to, like came up asked prayer for the trafficking, you know? I worked as an investigator for Child Protective Services in the Oklahoma City area. And the way that Oklahoma City is positioned with its interstates, it's one of the most, like, traffic areas of sex trafficking. And if you think that that kind of stuff doesn't happen here in the States, then you're wrong. And that is some of the craziest and the toughest calls that I'd have to go out to when you get called out for that. But the world needs a unified Holy Spirit-led church. And I think one way that we lose that purpose, that, that lens of the lost, is one way I feel like we lose the joy of our salvation. 
Like when you first got saved, can you remember how on fire you were to tell people about Christ? Like I remember as being a teenager, like I cut a mohawk one time and had a sign that was like, you know, ask me about Christ. And we like we went to the the airport and I sat in the corner looking like I was homeless with that sign just waiting for people to come and talk to me. But you know, and this isn't even for like inside the church, but like how often do I go into my day? Because I go in people's houses all the time inspecting. And like I meet people on the regular. But how often am I looking in the mindset of, does this person know Christ? Or am I just trying to get through a work day and get home? Because we're all positioned where we're at for a reason in life. And there's a field, ministry field, for every one of us. And I wasn't sure when I was preparing this message about how I was going to end it, but I really do feel like God is kind of leading with this. You know, we talk about, when I'm talking about the church, we are the body of Christ. Every one of us have our giftings, have our abilities, and I'm not going to get into a full sermon of the body of Christ. But some of you might be looking for an invitation to jump in and be used by God. And as a youth, youth pastor of the church, if it happens to be youth, hey, I'm just saying, you want to feel young again, it's not come and serve with the youth. I promise you. Yes, because the first time you make a reference and everybody looks at you like you're stupid because of something from 20 years ago, it will make you feel so old. But what I'm saying is this, I'm going to go and give, this is an invitation that if you don't feel like you're being used by Christ and you're looking for somewhere to be used, there are ministries in this church right now where you can get plugged in and be the hands and feet of God. There's ministries going on outside of this church that people go to every single week, meeting people where they're at. There's never not an opportunity and there's never a time that God's saying, don't be used. If you're struggling, you can still be used by God. If you're going through the toughest of times, someone else is too and they need to hear that. So I'm just going to wrap up by praying that, that we be unified, that we focus in on our purpose. No matter where God's leading us or what changes or what's going on in the church, but that we not lose sight of that purpose in God. Father, I thank you so much for everything you're doing in our lives, God. I thank you for the Holy Spirit for showing up today. God, I thank you for the people in this church that are open to the Holy Spirit and being led and, and used by the Holy Spirit. But I pray right now, God, over us that we not focusing on the junk and the distractions and, and the division that can happen, Father God, but we look to be unified in you. And the only way that that's going to happen is through your Holy Spirit. I pray that we lean in to the Holy Spirit in our lives as a church. God, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just inhabit this place. For those that are struggling, for those that are going through it, as Leah said this morning, I pray that you would just meet them where they're at right now. I pray that as they go home and nothing's changed in their life and it's back to all of it, that you would meet them there. 
And I just pray that we would focus in on that purpose, Lord, that you place people in our lives every single day who don't know you. I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, remind us of that, that you would speak individual names to us in that purpose. And I just pray right now, Lord, for your protection, for your peace and your presence. Father, let us be like Christ. That even in a time where he knows everything is gonna happen, of all the persecution, the pain, the struggle in his life, that he still keeps in mind your people. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. In your mighty name, amen. All right, y'all have a great week. Pastor Stephen will be back from Ghana, Latvia next week. If I haven't met y'all yet and you see me up here, sometimes I get not stuck, but sometimes I'm just uh, focusing on talking to the youth. Let me meet you. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org.